0: Hopes Harbor, Gritty Bible Devotions by David Bradley The Heart and Mind of Jesus, His Commission Lesson 1 The key verse is taken from Luke 4.18, in which the Lord Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, To preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Now, most Christians know Jesus died on the cross to save sinners, but let me ask what else did he come to the earth to accomplish? And what bearing does his commission have on us today? First, let me give a friendly warning about not listening. There was a Levite serving in the temple who Gabriel announced the coming birth of his son, and this man didn't listen. The Levite's name was Zacharias, and his son became John the baptizer. Also, those who heard Jesus preach this first time, as he read from the book of Isaiah, they didn't listen either. So let's not be like them. The evidence that we do listen to God through his word is whether we obey what we learn each time we read it or hear it taught. The lesson point is Jesus accomplished five tasks. And as we go through them in the coming weeks, ask yourself what effects this had on human history. Also, what effects are those five accomplishments having on you today? The five are, 1. Preach the gospel. two heal the brokenhearted, three, proclaim liberty to the captives, four, recovery of sight to the blind, and five, set at liberty those who are bruised. And over the next few weeks, we'll look at each task in detail. For this week, task one is preach the gospel. Now, the gospel means good news. It's to bring good tidings, to evangelize. And what good news did Jesus bring? just this, that salvation was now at hand. But however, the Jews of that day did not understand their Savior would die at the hands of their own religious leaders, and within three years those same leaders would hand over Messiah to the occupying army of the Roman government. This happened when Jesus did not conform to their expectations, so they rejected him. But furthermore, Jesus went out of his way to reveal the unbelief and rebellion in the hearts of his fellow Jews when he told them these facts, and this is a warning to us. I'm now reading from Luke 4:22 down through verse 28. Verse 22, And all bore him witness, and wondered at the gracious words proceeding out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we've heard you did in Capernaum, do also here in your own country. And he said, Truly I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you the truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elijah sent except unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, and unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. And all of they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. A commentary on 428 reads, The people of Nazareth understood exactly what Jesus meant by these examples, and they were infuriated by the mere suggestion of favor being shown to the Gentiles. Bishop Ryle comments, man bitterly hates the doctrine of the sovereignty of God, which Jesus had just declared. God is under no obligation to work miracles among them. And this is a good reminder when praying, God does not answer to me, But the good news found in Luke 4.18 begins with Jesus' declaration, He came to preach the gospel to the poor. And this means the poor in spirit. For the proud heart of a person will not receive the truth that he or she needs to be saved. But the Son of God came to bring us salvation. And then it's more than forgiveness of sin. It's the portal into a new life, eternal life. And that life begins now today if anyone chooses now the way to experience new spiritual life eternal life is found in john 3 verses 15 down through 18 when jesus answered a religious leader who visited his camp at night john 3, 15, jesus said whoever believes in him talking about himself should not perish but have eternal life 3:16 Probably one of the most famous verses for evangelical Christians. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. Now, believe in these verses and in the context of salvation is to have faith it is faith in upon or with respect to a person that is to credit by implication to entrust especially one's spiritual well-being to Christ it is to put trust with and faith is also interchangeable but it means a little different it's persuasion it's credence given to a truth and moral conviction It's a reliance upon Christ for salvation, and by extension, the system of religious truth itself, its assurance and belief. This is not complicated, but even then, salvation is often misunderstood. To believe is more than intellectual assent, though it certainly involves our minds. If belief stops with the mind, nothing of eternal value happens. And why do I say this? Because the Bible declares in James chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, You believe that there is one God, and you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you know that faith without works is dead? Now, we have to be careful here and use wisdom. James is not writing, We're saved from hell by good works. If that were possible, why did Jesus die on the cross? What he means is that having saving faith in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection results in good works. In other words, we are to live a good life evidenced by obeying God's commands in the Bible. And on that topic, I know people in our day do not like the word command. But let's look at the number one command according to the Bible. It's found in Matthew twenty two thirty seven and also Mark twelve thirty. And again in Luke 10, 27, I'll read verses 37 down through 39. Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And then he went on to declare, The second one is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So there are several things to look for within ourselves if we want assurance we are forgiven and to know our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. First, we will love God by complying with his teachings in the Bible. This means we must read and study the Bible. It also means we will love others by the way we treat them. Yes, even those in traffic. But also, it's how we show mercy or forgive or help those in need. You know, the possibilities are endless. But to live this way, to love God and others, it takes a strong, confident faith. It takes going beyond belief, something that we'll look at in episode 6. To summarize, God appeared in human history, in human form during Luke's time, and one reason he came as a man is so we can relate to him. He is a being of love and light, and this can be hard to comprehend. But if you will study the Gospels by scanning through and find all the interactions Jesus had with hurting people, an awareness of Jesus' deep love for people begins to form in the heart. And love is more necessary to us than food, though it's not so apparent. Light in the physical realm is also necessary to life. And in the spiritual realm, light represents truth. Without the truth of the Gospel, we die in our spirits for eternity. Now, many people around us out there are the walking dead and don't even know it. So I want to leave you with this question. We who know the saving power of the gospel and have experienced new life, what will we do for those who will spend forever in pain and darkness if we don't shine light upon their souls? This week's action to consider is to set aside a quiet moment away from all distractions. If you don't have a ready place, and it's okay to laugh at this, but a closed closet works because the clothing absorbs the sound. Anyway, read the accounts of Jesus' crucifixion. Think about what it took for the Almighty Son of God to submit to that heinous crime and the pain He endured. He did it all for us, you know, for all who believe in Him and also for all who have yet to trust him. If you will take time to contemplate the cross and what happened on that day, it should give an understanding of the blessings we inherited through the gospel Jesus proclaimed. At the very least, this should bring joy, if even in small measure. Next week's episode, Hearing His Voice. You've been listening to Hope's Harbor, gritty Bible devotions by David Bradley. To get show notes, visit hopesharbor.net.